Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. And we're so glad you're with us. I say it every time, and I mean it every time. So I hope I don't say it so much that you don't believe how much I appreciate uh, having this listening audience so that the Word of God cannot be contained within the four walls of where we meet, but it goes out from those four walls because of the World Wide Web to you right where you are. Some of you listen within our own city, and we're grateful for that. Amen. And some of you listen within the United States of America, and some of you listen from other countries and continents, and we are so glad when we hear from you. Amen. Hallelujah. We're grateful for this listening audience today. If you're a brand new listener, we welcome you. We know the Word of God is going to bless you because God has pronounced a blessing upon His Word. (laughs) Amen. And if we receive it in a good ground heart, it will bring forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold to the glory of God. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you will open them to Psalm 1 or Psalm 50, rather. Uh, We have been studying true worship. You would think that we'd have it down pat. We'd all be in agreement about what constitutes true worship. But we are living in a church age uh, that is drifting away from God. It will drift so far eventually until there will come a falling away. It will precede the manifestation of the Antichrist. The Bible says of him, uh, and that time, that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and then that man of sin, that son of perdition, shall be made manifest. So we, I believe, biblically and culturally and within the church culture, there is a movement away uh, from the ardent, first love, fiery dedication and devotion to Jesus that produced true disciples and true worship. Praise God. So we, we've got worship kind of redefined as Christian entertainment. And it's very entertaining and it draws people in to be entertained. It is, it is not necessarily vertical. Many times it is horizontal. It is a praise group or a choir singing to the audience and an audience being entertained by the platform ministry. A friend of mine, I believe we need to re-examine what constitutes true worship. And as we're doing that, because it's really a matter of the heart, we need to re-examine what it means to be a true Christian, a true follower of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I wish we didn't have to do this. I wish this was settled. But we are upstream Christians in a downstream world. And it's going to take a deep devotion to stay true to God during the beginning of the falling away. And I believe that we are in that time now. If we were not in the in the time of the falling away, 
churches would be absolutely filled with the fire of God in every single servant because Christians would be filled with the fire of God. You know, Jesus didn't come just to baptize in the Holy Ghost so someone could say, come tie my bow tie and then go their way. No, and I wasn't mimicking tongues or making fun of it, but there are people that's all it means. And without that ardent first love and without that fire of devotion, though I speak in tongues of men and angels, and have not that divine agape love burning in my heart, it becomes sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. It is noise. It draws attention to ourself. There should be a representation of God's person and power. But many, many times people have just joined the spiritual club uh, and, and, and without uh, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That's a sign of the last days. It's the perilous time. And listen, friend, because we're living in that perilous time of the last days where this ritual can take the place of relationship that is the first group of people that God has come to judge among his covenant people this is among his covenant children see judgment always begins as God's word declares it at the house of God and with the people of God and we want and and we want to receive God's corrective judgments. We want His fire and His truth to purge out that old leaven and to purge out the falsehood and the hypocrisy so that we can be sincere and true to our faith. Amen. True Christians want to be true to God. It's just that simple. So in John's Gospel, chapter 4, uh, the woman at the well has tasted the living water that only God can give. And the next thing she wants to know is how and where to worship God acceptably. And he told her, woman, the time has come and now is not where you uh, decide you, you think should, should be the best place or the most acceptable place of worship, whether on that particular peculiar mountain or whether in the holy city as the Jews declare. He said the time has come and now is that it's not on that mountain or in that city, but true worshipers, wherever they are, shall worship God in spirit and in truth, for God seeketh such to worship Him. Hallelujah. I want to be a true worshiper. God is particular about how He is worshiped. Amen. And I'm not talking about different denominational forms of services. I'm talking about the heart of the worshiper. Praise God. So the first group that God judges among his people here in Psalm 50 are those who engage in ritual rather than relationship. And the antidote they need is thankfulness and gratitude if they were really thankful to God for his goodness and his mercy. They would worship him from the heart with deep 
devotion. But if they are unthankful and ungrateful, if they just feel entitled to all of the blessings that God had granted them by covenant, and they forget His goodness and His mercy and His grace, particularly in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, where the cross has held the body of Jesus nailed to it for six solid hours in a tortured death so that He could forgive us and give us grace and mercy. O friend of mine, how we should love Him, how we should be deeply devoted unto Him, and how filled our hearts should be with gratitude. You see, in worship, this approach to God, it said, enter His gates with thanksgiving. Before you get to His throne, before we sing a song of praise, before we bow before His throne, enter His gates with thanksgiving, the Scripture declares. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter His courts. Now, thanksgiving opens the gate to the courtyard. Enter His courts with praise. And the Scripture goes on to say in another portion, Come before His presence with singing. Glory to God. Amen. Well, let's talk about this next group of people that is among His people that He's dealing with because they're all coming to worship together and it looks good on the outside. But remember what God said. Man looks on the outward appearance. But God looks upon the heart. So we don't want ritual rather than relationship. We want to be filled with gratitude. We want to enter His presence. Coming through the gates with thanksgiving and gratitude. Coming into the courts. You see the approach is getting closer and closer to His throne, His person, His presence. The gates have opened to let us in. Amen. We can walk right into the courtyard and the courts of God. But when we begin to give voice and offer praises and sing praise unto the Lord, we come right into His throne room, right into His very presence. <laughs> and, and I don't have to tell you if you've ever been there. In His presence is fullness of joy. And at His right hand is pleasure forevermore. Although praise and worship is for God exclusively, we are so blessed when He manifests His presence in response to accepting our worship. <laughs> I've had God take over a service when people begin to worship Him from the heart. The Holy Spirit just begin to move. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. And the glory of God come down as one, one minister we had, an evangelist come. He said, he said, heaven came down and kissed the earth. And I was right in the middle of the smack. <laughs> glory be to God. Oh, how I want to encourage Christians to be true to God and true to Christ and therefore worship Him in spirit and in truth. So the first group we dealt with last week, ritual rather than relationship, and the antidote was thanksgiving. And in verses 16 through 23 of Psalm 50, 
It is wickedness rather than worship. Wickedness rather than worship. In these verses, let me read them to you first and then we'll comment on them. Verse 16 says, But to the wicked God says, What right have you to declare my statutes? Notice, they are mixed in and mingled with people who really are seeking God and trying to keep His covenant. They just need instruction of how to do it acceptably. But there's people there that are not there in that congregation uh, to truly seek to please and serve God. And he says, what right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing that you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? When you saw a thief, you consented with him. And you, in other words, you're complicit with wicked people. You are complicit with them and have been a partaker with adulterers. You know, the New Testament gets real close on that. It says friendship with the world is enmity with God. And it speaks to people who are, are, are courting the world instead of coming out and being separate. You adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? You have been a partaker with adulterers. You've given your mouth to evil. Your tongue frames deceit. You see, there's no truth There's no truth in your tongue. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought I was altogether like you. But I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces. That's strong language. That is strong language. You never hear about God coming to judge His covenant people, only to judge the world out there. Lest I tear you to pieces and there's none to deliver. Whosoever offers praise, though, glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct, you see, worship is not just what we do with our mouth. It's what we do with our life. And it's got to come from the heart before it comes out our mouth to be qualified as true worship for man looks on the outward. God looks upon the heart. And to him that orders his conduct aright, I will show him the salvation of God. We're going to see answers to prayer. We're going to see people delivered and set free. We're going to see miracles and breakthroughs when we worship God acceptably, when we enter into a fellowship relationship with Him. Amen. And not just go through routines and rituals. When we begin to order our conversation aright, we're going to see, amen, the glory of God. Many people quote Psalm 5015 because it's so beautiful, but it has to do with thanksgiving and worshiping acceptably. It says to do the right thing the right way, literally, and call upon me in the day of trouble. 
I will deliver you. See, this is the salvation. This is not just the saving of the soul after the cross in the new covenant. This is God coming through. This is God showing up. This is God showing out. Hallelujah. I'll show you if you order your conversation right, if your praise is from the heart to give glory to me and you are backing it up with a life. Amen. Literally. And you're filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. And that is your initial offering to me. Praise God. I'll show you my salvation. So Psalm 50 and verse 15 can be claimed in context of this psalm and this kind of response. And it involves repentance. You know, there's a song out there that says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. For it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I am sorry for the thing that I've made it. For it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. You see, when we understand that your your average, nominal, normal church service is not necessarily a worship service in God's eyes... Friend of mine, it might be a beautiful performance in the eyes of the people looking on. God is not looking at the performance. He's looking at the heart of the worshipers. And if he doesn't see this truth and sincerity in the heart, this devotion, this gratitude, he is not accepting it. He's not receiving it. Amen. Listen to me. This is important. And we need to declare this. I don't know why we're so timid in talking to God's people about getting right with Him. Because of this promise of blessing. Psalm 50 and verse 15. (laughs) Amen. Is showing us His salvation. He says, And call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. And thou shalt glorify me. Listen to Psalm 58. Listen to the way, way people think and how God looks on things. He says, Isaiah says to, to, to covenant children of Israel, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgressions, and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. And then they ask him the question, Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen? We've afflicted our soul and you take no notice. They are blaming God for not responding. God for not coming through, when in fact, it looked like they were doing everything right, but in fact, they were not, and they needed someone to point it out to them, whether they, whether they listen, whether they don't listen, that's not the issue. The issue is, we are told to tell God's people the truth from the scripture concerning His His imperatives, His commands, His demands. He loves us. He loves us. 
And he wants to bless us. He wants to show us his salvation. But there is such a dearth in the, in the land and such death in so many church congregations. And, and I wish we could just, you know, relegate that to some particular denomination that's lost the victory a long time ago. Amen. Some liberal compromised denomination. Honey, it is touching every gathering of believers and we need to come out from among them not just the world but this this culture of of compromise that is in the very church itself and we need to come out and be ye separate saith the lord that's the message of the new covenant to god's people and touch not the unclean thing <laughs> for what fellowship hath light and darkness and christ with Belial, literally, and Christ with the devil. Friend of mine, there is a call. You see, the word church is, is, is the word ecclesia in the, in the Greek of the New Testament. And it simply means called out ones. And I used to preach a message that I still preach in, in maybe not the same title, but the same spirit of it. It's time, yea, it is high time for the called out to come out. Come out from among them, certainly the world, but not only the world, but the compromised parts of the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible said where they would have a form of godliness and deny the very power thereof. From such, turn away. We cannot keep compromising. We cannot keep giving place to the devil and expect God to show up and manifest his person, presence, and power. Oh, friend, how we need a Holy Ghost, God-sent, devil-chasing, <laughs> saint-sanctifying revival in our day in our congregations, in our personal lives. The book of Jude was written in the first century, and it speaks of the infiltration of the Christian assemblies by people who are not of God. And God is addressing this in Psalm 50 and verse 16 through 23. But unto the wicked God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing that you hate instruction. For there are certain men that crept in unawares, Jude 1 4. Listen, there are certain men that crept in where? Crept into our assemblies, who were of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, literally immorality, and denying the only, see, having a form but denying the power, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Jude 1, 4. And Peter warned also concerning the presence of the wicked in our gatherings of those who never were born of God in assemblies of the Christians. He says in Second Peter 2 and verse 1, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable 
heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. You see, from its beginning, the Christian church has been a mixture of wheat and tares, the wheat and the tares, the righteous and the lawless have grown side by side and it's getting close to time when there is going to be a great separation. God ultimately is going to separate the wheat from the tares. He's going to do it in His time. But now it is our time to separate ourselves from the tares. From such turn away means it's up to me and you. I simply am not going to have personal, intimate fellowship and accept as my brother or my sister someone who lives in unconfessed, unconvicted, constant sin and pat them on the back. I cannot do that. I must not do that. I can't bid them Godspeed. I can pray that they will come out of that darkness and out of that deception. Jude claims that the wicked teachers and members of Christian assemblies turned the grace of God into lasciviousness, into freedom from moral restraint. Ungodly men... Jude 1.4 says once again, turning the grace of our God into immorality. Grace is not given so we can stay enslaved to Satan or sin or self. Grace is given so that we can be set free. And if we stumble, it's a safety net to catch us. It is not permission to live ungodly, to love the world more than we love our God. Amen. The Apostle Paul's teaching of grace is being perverted to mean Christians do not need to obey the moral laws of God. All persons who, after continued warning, continue to break the moral laws of God without repenting, whether or not they profess to belong to Christ or not, the Scripture's clear they are not of God. They are lawless people. They are tares. They worship with us in the assemblies, but they're not of God. They know they are not of God because they practice unrighteousness, unchecked, unconcerned, not convicted. Listen to 1 John 3 and verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. See, he that ordereth his conduct aright. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. The pastors, teachers, and evangelists of our day appear not to believe 1 John 3, 7. They do not believe that is the person who practices unrighteousness who is righteous. Even the Lord Jesus, even as the Lord Jesus is righteous, or that those who persist in wicked behavior are not of God. You know, Scripture is very clear in Titus 1 and verse 16. It says, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being unto every good work abominable and reprobate. There are things that God says is an abomination to Him, in the Old Covenant, in the New Covenant. 
And yet there are whole denominations that are not only accepting this as part of true worship and true worshipers, but they're accepting those things. They are applauding those things. Oh, friend of mine, the Scripture is very clear. It's time for the called out to come out. Come out from among them, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. For what hath, what fellowship hath Christ with Belial and light and darkness? You know, there can be no mistake regarding this truth. As one farmer said, the ears which God has blessed bow their heads. True wheat, the, the stalk is bowed at the top. But the accursed tares stick theirs above the whole field. Tares carry a tall, light head of small, dark grains, contrasting in every respect with the weighty golden ear of the wheat, the good seed. Friend of mine, there will be a separating. The Bible said the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat in the New Testament. Why does he do that? To discredit the testimony of Christ through the church. There are people in the world that see, you know, I'm going to quote Vance Havner here, worldly Christians. Honey, Vance Havner said, worldly Christians? Worldly Christians? Where did we get that from? We might as well talk about a heavenly devil as a worldly Christian. Both are incompatible with with the truth. Friend of mine, you cannot love God and love mammon at the same time. Oh, friend of mine, it's a time for the called out to come out. And separation is not setting ourselves up in self-righteousness. It's simply being right with God. It's sanctification. Praise God. Cleansed and set apart. God speaks of His church, His bride in Ephesians. And it said he, He loved the church and gave Himself for it that He might cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's this washing of water by the Word that will put us in and bring us in to a sanctified state where God can say, this is my people and I am their God. And He's going to show us I believe in this move of God. As the called out come out, I'm one that's going to do that. Everybody's coming out of the closet. It's time true Christians showed their true colors and really stood up for the for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and begin to truly deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus Christ and become a true worshiper. Oh, friend, I'm excited about the result of this message. We're not sparing the truth in order to gain the blessing that God wants to send. And it's right there in Psalm 50 and verse 15. You do this. Offer unto God thanksgiving, verse 14, and pay your vows to the Most High. And then do what? Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. 
and thou shalt glorify me. Praise God. Well, our time is gone and it's went quickly. I don't want to have ritual instead of relationship. I want to have a real, genuine, right fellowship, intimate, personal relationship with the Lord. That's why Jesus died. It said the just suffered for the unjust. Heaven is a byproduct of the core reason of Jesus going to the cross. The just has suffered for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. Oh, friend, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, don't just go to church somewhere. Go to church, but come to Christ. Don't run from Him. Run to Him. And you don't have to be in church to do it. You can do it right where you are, right now in this holy moment. Repent of your sin. Receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. He will forgive you. God will forgive you. He will seal you with the Holy Spirit. And you will be ready for the day of redemption. Because Jesus is coming soon. And come back next week. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus.